we're looking at the expectancy that uh, peace can bring in our lives. And we're going to jump in. This is a passage we've been reading here. John, or Luke 2.14 says, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Uh, that moment came before a bunch of shepherds that were just at work, right? One night, and all of a sudden, a great uh, host of angels appear, and, and glory to God in the highest. This whole moment happens, and peace on earth, and it just brought to their world uh, uh, chaos in an instant, right? Imagine if all of a sudden there's bright lights in the sky, and there's angels singing, and you're told, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth. You're just like, uh, what just happened, right? It'd be incredibly uh, confusing. And the way Jesus entered the world was through a sequence of crazy situations that I would think today we would call chaos. And I want to step into like this moment of thinking, what was this really like and how does that help us work through our chaos today? Um, Isaiah in, verse, in, in Isaiah 9, I want to read the whole section. Uh, this is ultimately the coming of Jesus is the fulfillment of many, many, many prophecies in the Old Testament. The prophets would speak towards this future when Jesus would arrive on the scene. And Isaiah 9, too, says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. And like warriors dividing the plunder, for you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warriors and the uniforms blood-stained by war will be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. In other words, they won't be needed any longer, right? For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Anybody else singing it in their head right now as we're going through that? His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Now, I think we hear that middle part, right, often in songs. But that gives you the whole context, which gives us ultimately uh, just a portion of our big idea today. And that is Jesus brings the expectancy of peace. And why did we have the expectancy of peace? This was spoken so many generations before Jesus came that they were built up. They were built up with this expectancy that there would be a coming Savior, right? Every religiously educated person, which was almost everybody in that day, knew the prophecies, the predictions of a prince of peace. They knew the one who would reign over those with peace forever, that would never end, peace that would never end. You've probably heard the songs based on verse 6 and 7, but maybe not realize the rest of the context. And it's good to know that. It's good to know that where there's darkness, there will be shining light, right? 
Where there's oppression, there'll be rejoicing. Where there's heaviness and burdens, there will be a, a weight lifted. It'll be light. You know, the, where there's that burden, it'll be broken, that rod. It'll be broken so that they would be free. It was going to turn from chaos to peace. That's what, that's what Jesus has come to do. So when a great host of angels interrupts the workday for a bunch of shepherds on a hill with a promise of peace on earth, they would instantly go back to a moment in their childhood. It was funny, unplanned illustration. Today, Dan Schultz and I were setting up preschool today. We were in the back wing over there, and we were just rolling cabinets back, and there's somebody working in the shop back there, and you could smell like they were sanding wood, or like, and and both of us kind of walk in there, and you have a different smell in a room, and you're like, your mind goes back, right? It goes back to a memory, and they were sanding wood or cutting wood with a really dull blade. It had that kind of burning smell, you know? And so uh, we started thinking of, oh, man, that smells like when you're cutting wood and your blade's not sharp enough. Or, oh, that smells like when you're using one of those little etchers, the little things that smoke that you can, like, carve your name into the wood with, you know? And we're just like, it's bringing back these memories in us. Well, the same way those shepherds all of a sudden hear these words from the angels and these memories come back. Oh, wait, I read about this in Isaiah. That prophet spoke about a coming counselor, a prince of peace. That's what was going on internally. They had this this understanding a little bit. Could this be the one? Could this be the moment that generations ago was foretold? Could we be this lucky to be a part of this moment? You know, and it seems many times that, that Jesus coming on the scene brought just chaos like this, ultimately. Um, I want us to kind of rewind a little from the the shepherd's scene. Let's forget what we know. Let's try to go back and uh, a few months earlier than these shepherds were encountered by the angels. And let's watch this scene play out with a fresh lens and try to comprehend what must have been happening in the lives of those in the story, specifically today, Mary and Joseph, there's this young man and young woman pledged to be married. They're committed to one another and will not defile their, their marriage bed before the wedding day. They were upright, character-filled, righteous, looking forward to a life and a future together. They have, you know, we have nothing in the story that tells us that they are anything other than completely normal. They're nothing, nothing unique or special per se. And then we get this moment in Luke 1, verse 26. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. So that's a deal. That's kind of cool, right? Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You'll name him Jesus, and he will... uh, He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. 
wow, that's, a, that's pressure, right? It goes on, verse 34, Mary asked the angel, but how? Okay, you know, can you see him? Like, okay, time out. How can this happen? Um, I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. He'll be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Then the angel left her. Okay, let's play this out. Put yourself in this scenario, right? Everything's great. Normal teen, you know. Mary's doing awesome. Found herself a man, even one in the lineage of King David, like quite a ways out. But, you know, some of us, if we look in our family tree, we could say, oh, yeah, you know, I was, I was related to the Roosevelt's really distant family tree, shirt tail relative, you know. So I got presidential lineage, Thaddeus Edgar Huff sounds presidential, right? That's why I named my son Preston Thaddeus Huff, so he could sound presidential. It's that, you know, but that's how far removed, ultimately, is uh, Joseph from David. But he's in the lineage. He can claim he's in the lineage. So check that box. Mary got herself a good man planned out, right? Favor with God, wow, that's incredible. This news from the angel, favor, unexpected. What a responsibility, amazing. That's cool, check that box. Angel says, you and Joseph, you know, you're gonna have a baby boy. You're gonna name him Jesus. It's gonna be the son of God. Whoa, cool, wait. This sounds like a different, uh, this sounds urgent, Mary can hear the tone, and he didn't say initially, you're going to get pregnant today. You know, it's more like, your firstborn will be a son. So can you see Mary going, oh, okay, good to know. When we burst the balloon, it's going to be blue. It's it's cool. We'll, We'll name him Jesus if that's the deal. You know, and so they're kind of processing this. But the challenge is that she she feels the context of, like, urgency and so she's like, wait, so, like, like, now I'm a virgin. Like, Joseph, I, we've been good. You know, what are you talking about? And, uh, and as a virgin, all of a sudden, this, this angel communicates, you're going to be pregnant. And she, as well as those shepherds in the future, had to have remembered the teachings. Oh, wait, he'll be born of a virgin. Oh, my goodness. Is this me? I'm favored? Is that what? And unlike most teens, I have some teenage and almost teenage daughters in my home. Who's going to just say, pregnant, change of my plans, everything's going to blow up, chaos ensue, sign me up. Okay, yeah, my life is going to be totally different than I thought. I don't know. She's just like, sure, okay, let it be done to me. As you say, it will be. She was going to be the one to bring the Savior into the world. Everything she had planned for her future, lying in the sand, 
it starts over right now. <laughs> and she's just like, let's do it. My mind is blown at that point to go, wow, this girl had some courage, right? And then the, the, the people around started singing, Mary, did you know that your baby boy one day walk on? Okay, maybe that's not. One day walk on water into the unknown, into the unknown. Oh, wait, different, different musical. Um, sorry. You feel sorry for all my family because this is the way my brain thinks. It's just the way I live. Got the songs messed up. No, thought one, if I could have one out of that. The peace of Jesus gives us perspective in our chaos. What happened, there was no short of chaos in Mary's life. And somehow she processes it so quickly, at least the way it's recorded, she processes it so quickly to just be completely obedient in her moment of favor before the angel Gabriel. And, I mean, could it be that Mary, growing up, learning about the coming king, knew the prophecies that quick that she was able to say, I'm the one. And so she was comfortable did she have this anticipation and expectancy still that the Savior is coming? Years, years, it's been over 300 years before a word, since a word from God had been spoken to anyone through a prophet. So they're years removed from any sort of revelation from God. And all of a sudden, Jesus, the Savior is going to show up and it's going to show up through me. Wow. To believe that is just mind-boggling, and it had to have been, even though she said, let it be done, a moment of chaos, where you're just like, yes, the angel disappears, and you're like, what did I just do, right? This is crazy. Kind of the same as when Peter got out of the boat, takes a step on the water and goes, holy buckets, you know, this is going to get wet, and uh, he sinks. So, I mean, sure, the angel of the Lord pops into the story here with Mary, but I believe it had to have been that faith, that, that seed of faith in Jesus that actually gives her this perspective to know that everything is going to be okay through this moment of chaos. Imagine still what comes next. The convincing it would take to share this with anybody. Can you imagine? Okay, so you're understanding enough to say yes to the angel but now you're like uh how do I tell anyone about this who do I tell about this there's only one other person at this point in time that knows what's up and that is her relative Elizabeth who's six months pregnant and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago where an angel of the Lord visited with uh, Zechariah while he was a priest and he goes in and he's he's uh uh, doing his priestly duties that he was favored to do. And God speaks to him and says, you're going to have a son that will prepare the way for the one that will bring the path of peace, Jesus. And you're to name him John, John the Baptist. And, and he's like, no way we could have a kid in our old age. And so he didn't believe. He didn't say, yes, let it be like Mary did. And so he was silenced. He couldn't tell anybody. He couldn't speak and uh, until the day that John would be born. So he's still silent. He can't tell anybody Jesus is coming. Mary's the first one with the news and the ability to say, uh, you know that thing about a virgin getting pregnant? That's me? 
Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, who's going to go? So, okay. You and Joseph messed up. It's okay. You know, let's figure out what to do. No. In this time, it wouldn't have been okay. In this day and time, if you were pregnant before marriage, you're stoned to death. You're cast out of your community. You're seen as unclean. It's brutal. So somehow, she had to communicate this to Joseph. And I wish that was recorded. How cool would it be to hear that conversation happen? But let's see what kind of plays out through the lens of Matthew writing about it. Matthew 1.18 says, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, the descendant of David, remember, it says, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly, as quietly as he could. As he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, took Mary as his wife, but he did not, young people, close your ears. Anyway, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Open your ears again, young people. Anyway, just having fun. Uh, uh, the reality is the Bible does cover all the details, you know. And so Joseph and Mary went from a normal, quiet life to one that was in chaos in a moment's notice. And Joseph, I don't know, he's righteous, right? He's full of integrity. But when you're engaged to somebody who comes and says, uh, Joseph, I have news. I'm pregnant. I don't know how you get past that initial shock of like, who is he? Because I know it wasn't me. We don't how, see how she said it. We don't see how she's like, I was visiting an angel and an angel came and told me and, and then everything got dark and warm and fuzzy. I don't know, there's no details. We don't hear anything about that. But all of a sudden she's like, I'm pregnant and it's not your baby. Montel Williams isn't there. There's no tests, you know. It's just like, here's where we go. Who's the real daddy? This couple's life is turned upside down. Joseph is so shaken, but yet cares for her so much that he's not going to stone her, which he had legal rights to do. He's not going to bring her before all the people, which he could have done. He's not going to have her dragged out of the city, which he could have done. He instead is going to just kind of, let's just make this go away. <laughs> Avoidance maybe is his tendency to conflict, right? <laughs> this is just, I'm going to leave quietly. Nothing's happening. And we don't have a timeline, but Joseph, in his chaos, has, he's considering, it says he considers leaving her quietly. He's considering this. And that's the moment he falls asleep and sees an angel of the Lord. Now, I have weird dreams, 
I don't know about you. Anybody here have weird dreams? I have weird dreams. And I'm not sure I would be so obedient after way. If I'm told about an angel visitation, I'm told about a baby, I go to sleep, I have a vision of an angel, and I wake up, I'm not sure, me personally, that I'm believing in that dream was a real angel. You know what I'm saying? But Joseph is such a righteous man, and he does have, he must process, by the time he wakes up, he has this perspective of the Prince of Peace is real and coming, and this story is accurate, and Mary is pregnant by a the angel of the Lord or the Holy Spirit, however this went about. You know, he's got to be processing this. And he's also given a mission. Two of them. He's to marry Mary, and he's to name the baby Jesus. So he's waking up with this decision to make, and he obeys. Now his plans are all He's been considering his plans. His plans were to leave quietly. But now his plans are all confused and chaos. He doesn't get to live the life he thought. This is just crazy to think. All these Old Testament passages had to have rolled up in his mind as well. Who would have questioned the content of this dream? When you woke up. (laughs) I'm just thinking, man, I'm not sure. But he just went on mission with the angels. Words, Joseph and Mary proved to be obedient. Their part is just right there, ready to go. But I do ask quite a few questions around this, obviously. I'm, I'm imaginative. Too much so sometimes. And, uh, and I say, when did Joseph really experience the peace that comes from Jesus? Was it like when, when was his perspective impacted by Jesus? Was it the moment the angel visited in his dream? Or was it later when like they're in the manger and, and everybody's showing up and they're like, oh, this is kind of a big deal. This is Jesus. Or was it when he stayed at the temple at the age of 12 and said he had to be about his father's business knowing that his heavenly father was why he stayed in the temple. And then we don't see anything about Joseph after that. We don't know. A lot of scholars think Joseph passed away sometime in between Jesus appearing at the age of 12 and and when he started his ministry at the age of 30 because we don't ever hear about him anymore. But when did he experience the peace? Was he always questioning what about Mary? Mary, scholars believe, uh, you know, or, or Mary, did she, did she experience the peace when she was thinking on these things as the baby was born in the manger? Um, was it at the cross? Was it at the resurrection that she finally realized, okay, was that the full 100% I believe it now? I mean, just think through that. That's the tension that's playing out. All those questions those perspectives. Somehow the power of Jesus brought peace through that chaos. By faith they stepped out and raised this child as the son of God with maybe, I don't know, 60% sure? 70? 80? 90? Were they ever 100 Did Joseph treat Jesus different than his actual, full, confident, 100% these are my kids' kids? 
what about Mary? All I know is we see their perspective of Joseph and Mary was deeply impacted by Jesus. And I think ours is too. Thought two. The peace of Jesus starts internally. We might not instantly grasp everything that's happening around us, but this seed of hope and peace gets born inside of us. For Mary and Joseph, it was a choice, okay? We're going to continue. We're going to get married quickly. People might count on their fingers, figure out, wait, was the baby a little earlier than maybe they got? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Could it probably did happen, honestly. There's somebody in school, "Mm, and that girl's pregnant a little early for that marriage. Anyway, so there's you know that had to have been happening in their day. But you and me are the same. We we have to grab a hold of this by faith as well. Second Corinthians four six says. God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made the light shine in our hearts so we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. It goes on, Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. So we look at all the gifts of Christmas, the most amazing one is Jesus. But we have to believe in Jesus for that seed to take effect for that hope, for that light that conquers darkness that Isaiah prophesied about. It comes through that seed of faith that rises up in us. And when we choose to put our faith in Jesus, a peace is born inside that begins to grow and overcome the doubts, the fears, the worries of life. And it's the perfect gift of Christmas, faith in Jesus shining light within us. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. What begins on the inside grows and eventually overflows. It overflows. Which brings me to thought three. The peace of Jesus affects our external circumstances. Ultimately, that's what Joseph and Mary got to experience. Is their external circumstances. Their life was a roller coaster and a mystery. And it was based on their internal choice to welcome in Jesus to their lives that resulted in all kinds of transformation in the world around them. Your internal peace, which leads to an overflow of joy and peace, affects your circumstances as well. When things get crazy, you have the expectancy and perspective of faith, so it impacts your external choices and actions. You're like, well, God will never leave me, never forsake me, so I'm going to be okay, I'm going to proceed. And you take different actions because of the internal belief that has welled up within you. It's your overflow, if you will, that leads to your outcome. Your faith allows an internal strength to endure chaos around you. And you, you, you become ultimately the evidence in that moment 
of the power of peace to those around you because you're behaving differently than those who don't have that peace. Again, very visible. What derails some people in life does not derail those who put their faith in Jesus. Why? Peace. An internal peace that's a gift from God. James 1, 2 through 3 says, Brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity of great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Sounds a little masochistic. You're like, yes! Ow, I stubbed my knee. You know, I had knee surgery a couple weeks ago, and I've learned twice very clearly you shouldn't kneel after that surgery. Even on a couch, you just like forget, and you're going to plug something in. You put your weight on it, and then you remember. (laughs) Yowza! That hurts for a few minutes afterward, and it's like, I don't, the first thing, you don't necessarily stand up and your knees hurt and you go, man, I'm glad that happened. God's developing something in me, you know, but that's, James is saying, consider it pure joy when a trouble comes your way. Why? That inner peace has an opportunity to shine. That inner peace has an opportunity to now just very clearly impact your external circumstances. Troubles are going to come. Chaos is going to happen. You're going to find yourself where the outside circumstances of your life, all kinds of stuff is happening, but nothing can derail you if your faith and your peace is in Jesus. You're going to endure through the valleys. Things that derail those without faith are just another moment of chaos in a road filled with adventure. And so our action point based off ultimately this portion of the Christmas story is this, expect peace this Christmas. Now, if we expect the opposite of peace, we'll self-prophesy that probably into being, you know, this is going to be the worst Christmas ever. Well, you can make it that. But what if we expect peace? What if we go into some scenario we know could be just crazy for some people, but we're anticipating the peace of God in that moment? And we just behave differently. I think what's going to happen is it's going to impact the people around you. Yeah, your life is going to be amazing through it. But even more so, there's this blast radius around you of people that are watching and affected by your choices. Whether you consider yourself a leader or not, you're all influencing people around you. If you have peace, you're making a greater impact than you can fathom in the lives of those around you? What if we would be those who understand we're bringing the peace to the table? Expectation of peace from Jesus is a perspective change which changes us from the inside out. And that's my prayer for us today. God, thank you for reminding us of the peace, right? Do you stand with me as we just pray this into being and just activate that peace in us like never before? being ready to stop being tossed back and forth by the chaos and the turmoil or the troubles and really live out our life in the peace of Jesus. God, I pray that you would come 
inside our hearts, as your word says you'll do clearly, and you will give us peace. That God, even in the midst of maybe someone's chaos, you would allow a light to shine on the inside of them that would get them through a rough season. God, Christmas is one of those seasons where we just see the, the world around us in a different light. Maybe it awakens the hope. Maybe it awakens the joy fresh. God, one thing I want you to awaken in all of us is peace. And we know that that's in Jesus and it's found in Jesus and an expectancy of Jesus, you giving us that peace. And so if anybody is here today and they've yet to make that decision to step into faith and say, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. I pray that you would allow them to choose to follow you right now. Because that peace will grow. Each day, stronger and stronger. And there, that assurance, that 60%, 70%, 80% confidence that you're getting them through whatever they're facing. The beautiful moments are ahead. I pray that everybody can experience that this Christmas. No matter what comes our way, we can live out your peace, which you've gifted us. And it's all based off of an expectation of you moving inside and transforming the world around us. So we give you praise that you're stirring it in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you worship with us before Jaden comes and concludes today?